Thanks for joining us on episode 1,121 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. Hey, I'm Genesis Amaris Kemp. I challenge you to invest in yourself. Yes, yourself. Invest in others. Why? Because when we invest in others, we're able to help them grow and we're able to see the fruits of our labor. Develop your influence. What ways can you be influenced and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling? Each one of us was created for a purpose. Having the ability to speak up for yourself is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mader. Understanding that every single person is different and that's okay. So the way that I may talk to you, Scott, may be different that, than how I talk to Sally or how I talk to Monique because you're bringing something new to the forefront. And I can't tell you, oh, this worked for Monique. I don't know why it's not working for you because you're not the same exact person. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's interview with Genesis Ameris Kemp, I asked Genesis about her top tips for someone who feels stuck in their corporate job. I also ask her about what advice she has for those who want to mentor or invest in others. And Genesis also shares why she is so passionate about diversity. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Genesis Ameris Kemp is a creative content writer, author, self-development advocate, visionary, inclusion and diversity enthusiast, firecracker, and a force to be reckoned with. Genesis is a woman who will do great things that empower others to speak up for themselves. Yes, it may be challenging, and yes, it may hurt, but in the long run, she desires to encourage others to help those who may not have a voice. She is a trailblazer who wants others to live out their dreams, goals, and visions. If it takes writing her book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace, to accomplish those tasks, then so be it. We've all been given an excellent purpose in life, and it's up to us to walk it out and live victoriously. Genesis has been featured on Four Dozen Plus Podcast, Magazines, and then decided to finally start her own podcast, Gems, with Genesis Ameris Kemp. Welcome to the show, Genesis. Thank you for having me, Scott. So Genesis, last week we talked some about developing ourselves and some about your journey. Let's turn our attention this week and talk about investing in others. 
what are some of the best ways that you've found uh, as you're working with people or for you yourself out of your own experience of actually developing and investing in others? One, listening. Are you listening attentively to what they're saying? And are you listening so you can learn where they're coming from so they can feel like they're being heard and they feel like they matter to you? Because people can sense when you aren't really listening to them and they'll say, oh, man, I'm just another box for her to check off or I'm just another form of payment or whatever the case may be. Another thing is asking questions. Whenever you are working with somebody, it's so important to ask questions, not questions that are surface level questions, but questions that allow us to go deeper beyond the surface, because it's no more time to think at the surface level, but we need to go scuba diving because whenever you go scuba diving and you dig deep, you're uncovering the things that have been rooted in them so long that they buried it, that they no longer want to talk about because it's tied to emotions that are causing Mm -hmm. And if you don't uncover the things that are causing you pain, that are causing you to feel a certain way, you're not going to be able to fully tap into your optimal mindset. And we all need to be in a mindset that is optimistic, a mindset that is conducive for us not to just survive or thrive, but to do both. I don't like to just do one or the other. Surviving and thriving complement each other and should work together. Another thing is I have to understand what was your background like? How were you raised? Because that tells a lot about a person because sometimes we were raised in certain environments and we never know how those environments articulate and carry over with us into our adulthood and life. And then you wonder, why am I doing this? Why am I thinking this way? Are there any emotional baggages? Are there any mental bondages? Are there any stipulations that you held on for so long that it became a part of who you are? Not who you want it to be, but it was just a product of where you were brought out of. Does that make sense, Scott? And then another thing that I really like to focus on when I'm whenever I'm working with somebody is understanding that every single person is different. And that's okay. So the way that I may talk to you, Scott, may be different than how I talk to Sally or how I talk to Monique, because you're bringing something new to the forefront. And I can't tell you, oh, this worked for Monique. I don't know why it's not working for you, because you're not the same exact person. Get you to wipe the slate clean and come to me open-hearted, ready to receive, and also having you put in the work because it becomes a partnership. If you are not putting in the work, then you're not going to be able to see the results because I could spit stuff out all day long until I'm black and blue, but y'all, I am chocolate and melanated. So it will take me a while to get black and blue. And, but if, oh, it you can are, happen. if you are not picking up what I'm putting down, then what is the point of even right. working together? Right. Yeah. The, the, one of the phrases that uh, I've used with other coaches is you don't want to push a rope. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's easier to pull than it is to push. So I'll work with you, but you got to be doing something too. You, we're not going to push a rope. So when, you know, we talked last week about how you had you know, gotten into the corporate job, really worked your way up, but still felt that really wasn't where you needed to be for various reasons, 
And yes, there was a layoff, but even before that, you were starting to feel that. If you had a chance to talk to someone right now who heard that and is thinking themselves, I'm stuck in this corporate job. I'm really not sure if this is where I belong. What would you tell them? I would ask them, have there been any signs or have you had any gut feelings that cause you to feel as if where you are is not where you're supposed to be? Because our body speaks to us and we have different situations that happen. Like maybe your performance ranking goes from an A to a B without any explanation. Maybe whenever you pull into the parking garage, like you get a headache or you feel like a pit in your stomach or you start to roll your eyes and you don't even realize that you're doing those things, but you were fine before you pulled up into the parking lot. Or I like to say where I worked from was like a, a compound <laughs> before I pulled into the compound. I was fine until I got there. Then it was like something in my body changed. And it was because my body was telling me it's time to move and the universe, or some people say God or whatnot, was already telling me your season here is up. But I got comfortable and complacent that sometimes when you get comfortable or complacent, a door will shut because it's time for you to move. And you chose not to move when you were instructed to. Another thing is if you're working for that corporation and you see that things are starting to change, and those changes do not align with your morals, your values, and your characteristics. And it's causing you to feel as if you are not going to be able to do your job effectively and efficiently because a corporation wants you to do something else. And that does not align with your values. That is a sign that it's time for you to reevaluate and look into doing something else. There are many organizations out there. And where you are right now is not the only source of income. There are options. Another thing would be, for example, some people were working for or for organizations whenever the pandemic first hit, and they were forced to take a salary cut because the organization mm -hmm. was not doing good. So we all know that we have certain things to take care of our family, bills, mortgages, whatever the case may be that you're financially obligated to. If you took that pay cut and you knew that you were not happy, you were not meant to stay there. You could have either created your own table, pulled up your own seat. You could have chose to go to another employer who values you for what you bring to the table. They see that you're able to be an asset, not a liability, and they're able to think about how you can stay with the corporation for longevity. Mm -hmm. There are so many other things. And I'll use me, for example, when I went to work in the chemical plant, I knew that it was the height of racism. The chemical plant was just like the good old boys club. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was coming out of a movie that was right in the time of segregation. I felt like I was just stuck like to somebody's shoe, like a piece of gum. Because when I first walked in there, people were looking at me like, like they never saw 
a chocolate drop before, <laughs> or they never saw a woman who was dressed to the nines or whatnot. And I never worked in the chemical plant. So I didn't know that you could go in there with jeans and a t-shirt mm-hmm. or just put on your FRCs. And for those of you that's flame retardant clothing. clothing. And I was like, okay, I had on my nice trouser, my cute blazer, my heels, my heels. That all of that, and when I looked in, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm overdressed!" But no one told me that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Of course not. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> or whenever you have a meeting and the meeting gets changed or canceled, no one told me the meeting time uh. changed or it was canceled. So I was like, there was little subtle clues that you're not welcome here. Why mm-hmm. don't you just go back to where you came from? Mm-hmm. That's another thing that will cause you to feel as if they want you to necessarily not be seen or not be heard or that your place is not there. Mm -hmm. So I gave a few examples. So if any of those examples resonated with you, take that into consideration and how people address you matters too. Because if Mm -hmm. somebody doesn't even take it into consideration, how to accurately say and pronounce your name, that is so disrespectful to me because I take my time to learn people's name, whether they were a direct report or whether they were indirect report. I can't help what your mother and father named you, but what I can do is properly ask you how to pronounce your name, even if I get it wrong once or twice. I always tell people, please let me know the accurate pronunciation of your name because your name is a part of your brand. Your name is what makes you a human. Your name is so vital. And if I just say, oh, uh, Scott, your last name looks hard to pronounce. I'll just call you Scott M. That is so disrespectful because you're not even taking the time to say Mater. Or ask Scott, hey, Scott, what is your last name? Can you help me um, say it again or whatnot? You're like, Scott M. And that shows that person they're not a priority. Yeah. And just for reference, I was a school teacher. So Scott M's fine. <laughs> I was called much worse. <laughs> so why, why have you found this passion? And I think you've actually just alluded to some of it, but, but I want you to, to spell it out for us. Why do you have this passion about diversity, equity, and inclusion? One, I am first-generation American. My dad was from Curaçao, so right off the tip of Venezuela. So I'm Mm -hmm. Afro-Latina, and my mom is Caribbean. She is from the West Indies, so St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So seeing my parents... (laughs) Yes, thank you. Seeing my parents come to America, have to work twice as hard Mm -hmm. to provide a better way of life for their family. Not that there weren't resources where they came from, their parents came over here. My grandpa came over here. He was in oil and gas and he wanted to show his kids a different way. And just being a part of a family that is multicultural and diverse. Like, for example, my sister's kids are half white. My brother's kids are half Indian. My other, my older brother, his daughter is truly African-American. Her mother is from Africa. And to have my family seem like the UN nations, air quotes, and to have my nieces and nephews share stories about when they're being teased or bullying, that affects me because I was bullied in high school and I went through a depression early on 
But had I not fallen in love with someone important and who was that person, that person was me. I had to love me for who I was and see myself as a masterpiece and see myself the way that God created me to be and not what the world wanted me to be or what society said I was. Then that led to me really being more vocal about my stance about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because you can't help who your parents are. You can't help where you were born into, but you sure can change the way that people perceive you. By walking and talking different and not acting like a robot or being a carbon copy. You see that a lot today because we live in a microwave society where people just want to put things in hit 30 seconds and think it's done when it's not done, or they just want to slap a bandaid on a situation. And, Mm -hmm. and that's not the case. So those are some of my personal reasons why I'm very passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Plus let's not forget about equality because it takes all of us coming together to really move the trajectory. And then what I went through professionally, that's another thing. I was underpaid for so long Up until 2020, whenever I spoke out in the supply chain vice president's meeting, and one week later, I got a $20,000 salary increase and my CL level bumped up from a 15 to a 22. So I was paid for three and a half to four years, substantially lower than my colleagues. But yet I was running meetings for C-suite executives. I was traveling to Altamonte Springs, which is a city outside of Orlando representing the company. I had Emerald Owl status. I had a um, corporate Amex card. I had all the things from the outside looking in, but I wasn't happy and they did not put any respect on my check. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I've worked, like I said, I've worked in upper management and corporate and I have seen situations where there's two different people doing the exact same job, but one of them is paid significantly less than the other. It's one of the reasons that companies don't like employees talking about their salary. Cause then you'll find out if somebody else is making and be like, wait, what, <laughs> how, how are they making that? I do the same job that they do. Why am I getting half what they make? Yeah, because I like our company had a policy that you weren't supposed to talk about your salary. And I'm like, that's uh, interesting. But of course, I was in a position where I saw everybody's that was below me. So I kind of knew what the patterns were. So it's uh, so funny. I want to chime in there really quick because I did not necessarily know what the salaries were, but there was one time where I was in charge to lead a global trade regulations compliance meeting. And my supervisor's boss at the time put on the screen a um, pictogram of what the starting CL levels were in the group. And at the time I was a 15 and he said our group started at a CL 22 and above. And I'm like, wait, so I'm in the meeting sitting back. <laughs> You're like raising your thinking, head going, wait, wait, that's wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, where's my CL? So that was the mic drop right there. That and that's whenever I started. Mm-hmm. That brought the question in your mind of, wait a minute, because <laughs> that means probably everybody else in the room was a 22. <laughs> that's why they put it. And you I know, had a four-year four year degree, all yeah. my previous oil and gas experience. So it was like a slap in the face. And mm-hmm. that was another part of how the book was birthed too. <laughs> well, and again, it, it, it's not that everyone should necessarily be paid exactly the same. There, there are reasons why people can legitimately be paid different amounts in the same position, but there's a big difference between 
you said it was an increase of twenty thousand. You know, yeah, that, that, we're we're not talking you know little difference. We're talking that's a lot. There better be a really good reason if it's that different is is what I'm saying, and it, it certainly doesn't sound like there was. Close out with this. One of the questions that I like to ask uh, different people, because it's something that comes up a lot when you're talking to someone and you're sharing with them, one of the things you need to do is work with others, help others, develop others, these sorts of things. Most of the pushback that I get is, but I'm not ready. I'm not in a position. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough, whatever, to be able to mentor or help or, or pour into others. What advice would you have? for somebody that is maybe feeling they need to start reaching out and helping others, but feels unprepared, feels like they're not, they don't know enough, they're not good enough, whatever it is. What is your lane of expertise? What do your family members or friends always come to you for? And that will allude to you knowing a sense of what your purpose is and calling is because you're already helping people in those areas. So you're already confident enough to pour out in that specific area. Number two, why do you feel as if you aren't good enough? Is that your mindset? Because your mind can definitely be a battlefield. And there is a book by Joyce Meyer called The Battlefield of the Mind because we battle good thoughts versus bad thoughts, evil versus good, lack versus abundance, fear versus faith, and all of those things. Those are just some examples. So ask yourself, where are these thoughts stemming from? Why am I allowing these thoughts to take root? And if I don't say anything or help, how am I hurting this person if I know that I have the tools and resources to help them unlock some of their destiny? Another thing is see yourself the way that you want to be perceived, not the way that the world sees you. And if you need to go and stand in front of the mirror and recite all the incredible things about yourself and call it mirror work, do it and put a power pose together while you're saying it. And what does that look like? Here's an example. I am Genesis Amaris Kemp. I am strong. I am healthy. I am whole. I am well. I am a subject matter expert when it comes to mindset hacks. I am an overcomer. I did climb that corporate ladder. I went through trials and tribulations, but now those tests became my testimony. I am gifted in the area that I am in, and I am able to help people unlock their destiny assignment and walk out their full and highest potential as well as purpose. And then you put dot. So recite all the things that you are and that's going on in your wheelhouse. And the more you recite it, you're going to start to believe it. And you're going to have the confidence to walk into it because sometimes people can see when you are timid and when you are not secured in the area and that's external, but internal, you already know what to do. So you have to do the work in order to pull up and pop. And my pop means prepared on purpose. We always go through preparation. That preparation always leads to our purpose. It may not always be fun and pretty, but in the end, it's well worth it. And just for reference, as we were doing the mirror work and, and Genesis was saying that she actually put her hands on her hips 
And for the listeners, you probably heard the voice change because it does, because you opened yourself up, you've lifted your, your diaphragm. So your voice changed. And that's, you know, when she talks about a power pose, she was actually putting her hands on her hip and it was the Superman pose. The here I am to save the day, but believe it or not, psychologically, neurochemically, and this, that actually Mm -hmm. changes the neurobiology in our brain too. It's important to realize that. Yeah. You can follow Genesis on Facebook or Instagram as, as Genesis Amaris Kemp. She's also over on YouTube as her podcast with gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Or you can find her at her website, which is at beacons.ai Genesis Amaris Kemp. Of course, I'll have links to all of that over in the show notes so it's easy to find. Genesis, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yes, I want to leave them with a powerful and profound quote from my book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace. And here is it. Stop waiting for someone to co-sign your dreams. Start running with passion. In time, the right people who genuinely care and want to support you will fall into place. That's one quote. And then the other one that's right underneath it says, let's continue to encourage one another to be the best version of ourselves that we possibly can. Take a break from all the hustle and bustle, get in tune with your inner self, meditate and release stress by working out, listening to music or unplugging from the everyday madness in this world. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.